Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, a life optimization podcast with Coach Kyle, that's myself, and Ben Kosubevsky, doctor, that is to you. So, Dr. K, is this what you go by, Dr. K? That's what most of my patients know me by, mostly because most of them cannot pronounce my last name. Kosubevsky? To be honest with you, it took me a while to, until <laughs> I realized that the end of it is something you have with the boys on the weekend, the Bevskys. So I was like, Kosu Bevsky, and then it just clicked. So for Dr. K, it is. Yeah, for our audience, he's been saying that for the last three or four months, and I think that's where the idea for the podcast kind of really started. <laughs> yep, yep, indeed. So so let's go back for the audience and kind of explain who we are, how we got here. Uh, if you want to give us a, kind of a, a background on, on who you are, what you do, uh, and then uh, I'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, my name is Dr. K. I am a doctor of osteopathic medicine. I work with a practice mostly focused in regenerative medicine, osteopathic medicine. Um, I guess a little bit of tying a functional integrated medicine. All those words, they kind of blur together nowadays. There's not really any clear lines of who does what anymore. So I kind of try and be a one-stop shop for my patients. Um, so I'll get into the backstory of how I got into this field a little bit later, but uh, what I currently do, I work at a place called the Osteopathic Center. There's a few locations. Um, I run the one in Jupiter, Florida. We're a little bit north of West Palm Beach. Uh, and the practice is broken up into, let's say, three parts. Uh, the What appears to be the primary focus of the Jupiter office is IV therapies, a big focus of which is chelation, which for those who don't know, is the removal of heavy metals and toxins from the body, usually through IVs. Um, we do a lot of IV ozone therapies, other IVs like vitamins, methylene blue, NAD, vitamin C, procaine, and the list goes on and on. Basically, if an IV exists, we probably can do it or have the means to be able to do it for you. Uh, so that's first third. The second third is regenerative medicine. And that, that one's a little bit more clearly defined. Um, it's basically what you hear about nowadays. The PRP, which is platelet platelet-rich plasma or stem cell injections. And we do those for musculoskeletal issues. It's what you hear about all the pro athletes um, getting done. Anytime you see a pro athlete and they get injured and they should be out for weeks and somehow they're back in two or three days, they probably did some kind of regenerative medicine. A lot of team doctors out there are doing it nowadays. So that's the second third of the practice. And the final third is something called osteopathic manipulation or cranial sacral therapy. It's a very gentle, hands-on manipulation uh, focused on restoring normal anatomic function. And, you know, each of those topics, we're definitely going to have specific episodes about that topic. And, you know, we're going to get into a lot of detail about it. Kyle, you want to talk about what you're doing now? Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Uh, so, you know, back, uh, I'll, I'll get into my background and then I'll, I'll introduce how we ended up meeting. But... I've actually been out of the health field uh, for most of my career. I've been in construction, primarily finance, overseeing uh, new builds, custom new builds. And I worked crazy weeks, crazy long weeks uh, over and over again, building the business. And then my health just kind of hit a wall. Everybody was saying it was due to stress. And I just didn't believe him because I was doing everything right. I was working out. I was eating well, you know, everything everyone tells you to do, but so I, I kept looking and I kept going to doctors and I went from doctor to doctor. I went to about six different doctors, including one that was the best in the city uh, that I, that I lived in. And 
all of them said either I'm making it up and there's nothing wrong with me or they just couldn't find anything. So from there, I kind of went off the, the medical path a little bit and dove into the world of biohacking, which I call my passion. Most people don't even know what biohacking is, but to me, biohacking is, I like using Dave Asprey's definition, changing the environment inside and around you to optimize your biology, your energy, and your life. So I dove into this world and I started going to conferences and meeting these people who had state-of-the-art tech in order to optimize biology, started researching supplements, digging into toxins. And from there, I kind of, I, I met a doctor who was able to treat me for my symptoms, which was a lot of hormonal dysregulation. Uh, but he, he said, you know, something's causing this. You're a young guy. You don't just, you don't just get sick. So there's, there's a root, there's a toxic root to your issue. And so he referred me to the osteopathic center where I met Dr. K from there. Dr. K did a bunch of testing on me, uh, through the, through the book of lab work at me and it came back mercury, high mercury. I think I was 10 times the healthy max, if I remember correctly. And, uh, through, through finding that out, it was actually, uh, it was one of those moments where it was, it was like good to hear bad news because finally something I could, I could attack and get after. So through that, we went through a bunch of chelation, uh, still undergoing right now, but, uh, going through a bunch of chelation. And then I moved into other IV therapies and Dr. K's done a ton of injections on me. He's probably stuck me with more needles than I, I care to admit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scary. Those needles are those needles are beefy, but you know you feel better afterwards. Not immediately, but in a week or so, you feel better. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what led us to meet. Currently, I am running a coaching company called Toxic Roots, where we find your toxic root. We get to the root of uh, your unique biology, and we help you optimize your lifestyle and your detox program in order to remove those toxic roots so you can be your best self. We usually help uh, professionals people who are hard workers, uh, people who are very busy. So our programs are structured in order to help people get the maximum ROI for their health in the shortest amount of time. So that's one of the things I'm doing currently. The other things include this podcast, the Peak Performance Podcast, and I will be opening a Upgrade Labs in the near future in Greenville, South Carolina. And that's where I'm based, Greenville, South Carolina. So I think that's a pretty good intro uh, for, for our backgrounds. So what are we going to talk about on this podcast, Dr. K? So I don't know if you guys can see the little subtitle as you're pulling up our podcast, but really health hacks and facts is exactly what we want to be talking about. We want to talk about things that a lot of doctors don't talk about, a lot of nutritionists and health coaches, that kind of gray area in between that everyone understands A and everyone understands B, but what's happening in between A and B and how do you get from one to the other? I think that's kind of going to be our niche. Yeah, I really like that. That's um, that's kind of what I've been doing with my health for a long time. I've been piecing together literature and uh, anecdotal information and kind of finding out what works for myself and my clients. And so we want to share uh, what we've learned through our journeys, uh, basically two separate journeys, the the research and non-medical side for me and the the medical traditional training goes in, going into integrative and holistic training for Dr. K. So. Yeah. Overall, what is the single most impactful thing that you do operation-wise or IV-wise that can revolutionize people's health, Dr. K? It is absolutely the removal of uh, heavy metals and toxins from the body, chelation. 
I get so many mm. patients, most of my IV patients that walk in through my door and they say, you know, I've been tested for everything. I'm tired of being tested. No one knows what's wrong with me. I'm here because my wife drugged me and my husband drugged me and my friend sent me here, whatever other reason that they're there. Most of them don't want to be in my office. They don't want to be sitting there talking to another doctor about another thing just to hear, oh, well, we really don't know what's wrong with you. So uh, we're going to do some more testing and say good luck. So I found that there's kind of a disconnect uh, nowadays about especially mercury, for example. Um, mercury, we all know it's really bad for you. It's in fish, it's in the environment, it's in some foods and stuff. And um, if you eat that stuff, it enters your body. But no one really talks about what it does to you once it's in there and how to get it out. And so that's the number one testing I do is heavy metal testing and just seeing what what levels people are at. And most of the time, it's that missing link. People that come to my office, they've been tested for everything under the sun. So I tell them all the time, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm just testing for something that you haven't been tested for. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely speak to the the symptoms, if you will, of, of heavy metal poisoning. Uh, my mercury, my mercury is sky high, as I mentioned, but people ask me, you know, what does it feel like? What what can you what can you look for if you have heavy metal toxicity? And from from my clients and myself, it's all across the board in terms of symptoms. I had uh, like chronic fatigue. I had depression, hormonal dysregulation, uh, gut issues. I had anxiety, depression, and it was a whole constellation of symptoms, even allergies that popped out of nowhere. I took an allergy test and I compared it to one when I was younger and I was allergic to like 89 new things out of nowhere. So the, the symptoms of heavy metal poisoning are, are legit and it just goes under the radar. And so often uh, many mainstream medical practitioners just don't know to look for that because it's not taught in medical school. Were you taught in medical school about heavy metals at all? Uh, I think there was like a one pager about it somewhere deep in one of the 50 textbooks I had to read. No, mercury is really bad for you. Uh, if you have acute exposure, go to the hospital. The end. Yeah, that's that's what that's what a lot of uh, what I've heard from a lot of doctors is the only mention of heavy metal uh, toxicity is is acute. You get exposed to a massive amount of lead or mercury or arsenic or something, and then you have to go to the emergency room. And that's just not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with slow, small environmental exposures that build up over time. And having said that, it's not in everyone. One, I have my, one of my favorite stories about mercury toxicity is a patient that actually had no mercury toxicity in his body. Um, he came, I have a cardiologist also in Jupiter. He sends me patients once in a while because he usually suspects that they have heavy metal issues. So he sends me over this patient. He's in his mid-70s. And I get to talking to him and he goes, yeah, I want to be tested for mercury because back when I was working at um, this plant nearby that build uh, jet engines and does other kind of uh, technology, um, he says this was like back in like the 80s, maybe 70s, 80s. He was in the room. He was a safety engineer and uh, he was doing some standard testing and a safety gauge filled with mercury. I guess they were using mercury to measure temperature or something. This uh, gauge exploded in his face and literally showered him head to toe with mercury. He said he carried around a silver plated pen in his pocket. The pen actually cracked in half. Um, and you know, he went, he went and uh, did decontamination, all that stuff. But he never really did anything about the mercury. He said he felt okay and you know, you thought nothing of it. Um, now that an exposure like that would probably kill most people, honestly, breathing in that much vaporized mercury that you could actually feel it raining on you. 
So he comes to me, this was last year, he comes to me and we get into heavy metal testing for him. He had a lot of heart issues and uh, his mercury. And um, to give you guys an idea, mercury of less than one is ideal in your body. My average high patient between 20 and 30. This guy's mercury was like a three. Um, Where'd it go? Did, did he absorb it or, or what? No, so he probably just, his body was just able to excrete it. Um, his lead was actually high as a side note of all things, but his mercury was pretty much zero. Um, likely genetically, his body was just able to recognize mercury as a toxin and excrete it. That's why not everyone is dying of mercury poisoning. Um, for example, Japanese, some Japanese people have a gene that helps them excrete mercury better from their body because it's just a natural selection that do the high seafood-based diet, they're exposed to mercury all the time. So genetically, they've adapted to excrete it. Hey, who knows? Down the road, I might be able to use CRISPR technology and insert that gene into mine so I can just get rid of the mercury at all times. It's coming at me. I hope I'm here for that day. <laughs> uh, I'm really interested in CRISPR technology. And, and for you guys who are listening, if you don't know what CRISPR technology is, it's a basically a gene editing technology that will snip a part of your genome out and replace it with a different part. It's a monumental step forward in treating genetic-based diseases, uh, but it is still extremely experimental and it can cause downstream issues that we have not figured out yet. So I don't recommend it for anybody unless you are, you know, life or death type of situation. <laughs> and need a, need a solution. Let me, uh, let me pull that away from the Kyle brain down to, you know, what everyone else would understand. Imagine you have like a million lines of code in your computer and like, you can technically see all million lines of code, but you only know what the first hundred do. So on line 99, you edit something and you have no idea what's going to do the next million lines of code. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand coding, but that seems right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Dr. K, there are in, in your world of doctors, which is, which is a special type of world. Uh, yep. I would consider you something like an integrative doctor um, that uses uh, both pharmaceuticals and natural approaches, along with cutting edge therapies and technologies in order to heal people. Are you, are you saying you, you stray more towards the integrative side where you use everything? Like, do you tend to stay away from pharmaceuticals? Do you like the use of pharmaceuticals or how do you view that? Are you more holistic in your approach? So pharmaceuticals is a really, really broad term, right? Pharmaceuticals encompass everything from like, um, cold and flu medicine, CVS, up to prescriptions, down to, um, you know, Neosporin for your cuts. So do we, you know, do I fully abstain from pharmaceuticals? Absolutely not. It's basically impossible in this day and age. Technically, even some of the IV therapies I do are considered pharmaceuticals. So it's not about that. It's, I get patients that come in all the time and they're like, what supplement should I be taking? What medicine should I be taking? And so my answer is always, everything you take has to have a purpose and a goal. So what is your purpose and goal? And then we'll find what you have to take, whether it's a prescribed medication or a supplement or just lifestyle changes, whatever the person needs. Um, so there's just no right or wrong answer to using an antibiotic or an antifungal or whatever other medicine you could think of. That's a really good point. And, and, Given my my history in biohacking, it's it's a very salient point to encourage people to to take pharmaceuticals and or supplements and or anything they're taking specifically for them with a goal in mind. 
I have tried many things and experimented on myself with many different things, which is not recommended, by the way, um, and have accidentally given myself uh, like cross interaction problems with different supplements I'm taking all non-prescriptive things. But still, it is dangerous if you just start taking everything under the sun with no particular goal in mind. Now, I did have a goal in mind. But these are some of the things we're going to get into in this podcast. We're going to talk about little known drug interactions, uh, about supplements that biohackers use uh, that, that might not be great for people that might actually give them serotonin syndrome, for example. So uh, moving forward, what, what would you consider your, your stance on regenerative medicine? I mean, overall, do you think it's where we're headed in the future? Do you think it is kind of the, the next big thing? Or do you think it's a just a tool in your tool belt that you like to use? Um, so regenerative medicine, I think is becoming more popular. So the biggest issue right now is that they're saying there's not enough research on it, but it's like a catch 22. There's not enough research on it because research isn't being funded on it. So that's, that's why I hope to start seeing shift in the landscape. You know, now that Mayo Clinic and I believe Cleveland Clinic and a couple other major institutions are opening up regenerative medicine wings, I'm, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of funding funneled towards that stuff. And so dang, honestly, I need to go. I'm sorry. I said, dang, I need to go sign up for every clinical trial there is on this stuff. Let me get some stem cells and some PRP. Ladies and gentlemen, don't do what Kyle does. The amount of times he's called me and said, Hey, this happened. I'm like, oh my God, I'm glad I'm hearing about this after and not during because I have no idea what to do with you. Um, <laughs> this, anyway. would be a good, this would be a good time to give their disclaimer. I am not a doctor. Dr. K is a doctor, but anything on this podcast should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please talk to your primary care physician or your doctor of choice before proceeding with anything that we mentioned on this podcast ever. Thank you. That is the truest statement you guys will ever hear from this podcast. Uh, I'm gonna say a lot of I'm gonna say a lot of things about things I've done and things I've experimented with, and I do not recommend any of them. I'm just sharing my experiences. Yeah, and honestly, you know, his experiences have taught me so much. Um, you know, I'll, Kyle called me and tell me he did this thing, and a week later, I got a patient in the office. Same things happening. I'm like, actually, I do know what's wrong with you because this crazy guy called me last week and told me about it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I like to think I like to think we need biohackers like myself to help pave the way for for things we just don't understand. So someone has to be willing to experiment on themselves a little bit in order to get proven things that work for other people. Yeah. And I mean, I tell my patients that all the time is honestly, unfortunately, we're experimenting a little to see what's going to work for you. And um, which we just you just have to be OK with that, because. Um, really, realistically, you're getting better at the end of the day and you feel you're getting better. So if there's a little bit of wishy-washy, we just have to roll with it. Yeah. Do people often feel worse before they get better when they start treatment with you? Is that how that works? Uh, it depends on the treatments we're doing, but as a general rule, yes. I usually call the first third of their treatment to suck because it sucks. Um, the rare few people, they start feeling better right away with whatever we're doing. But for the most part, when you start messing around the toxins that are buried deep in their bones and their tissue, as you start stirring them up, unfortunately, they're going to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I went through that firsthand. The, uh, the Hertzheimer reactions and, and chelation of heavy metals, not necessarily fun, but when you get to the other side, it is life-changing. So speaking of toxins, this is kind of what I'm diving into. What can you give us a kind of a summary of the world of toxins? What are we looking at nowadays? What in this world we live in? What do we have to be careful about? 
honestly, you might be better suited to answer that than me, but I'll give it a shot. Um, so we know about all the traditional toxins, which are heavy metals, lead, arsenic, aluminum, uh, mercury, uranium, cadmium. Those are in our water, our soil, etc. There's actually the EWG, the Environmental Watch Group. They have a database online. You can type in your zip code and click on your water servicer, and they will tell you what contaminants are known to be found in your water servicer. And that's just the water you're drinking coming in. City water is supposed to be clean. Now, if you get into supplements, you know, get into food, there's heavy metals in their soil. Rice, for example, is full of arsenic. Um, and then the latest thing that's been coming out is PFAS, PFAS. Um, those are the uh, microtoxins found in plastic. And we have nothing to get rid of those. There's literally no known treatment right now that can bind to eliminate PFAS. Um, so that's going to be the next frontier is how to get rid of that stuff. But then you get into fertilizers and you get into pesticides and uh, groundwater runoffs, um, golf courses, for example, full of pesticides. I was talking to a patient of mine actually yesterday and she was like, you know, I stopped playing golf and I just feel so much better. I'm like, yeah, probably because, you know, when we tested you, your pesticide levels in your body were off the chart. Now that you're not being exposed to it all the time. Yeah, you, you're going to start to heal from that. Um, did you know, I actually came across some interesting research recently. What's that? It was in, in pesticides. One of the main ingredients that is the toxic part of it is actually animal venom. So they, they take venom from certain types of animals, very, very venomous, poisonous animals. Uh, one's like a snail, like a sea snail or something like that. Okay. And they, and they refine it and they use that molecule uh, in order to kill the pests on golf courses and crops and things like that. Now, it's almost on everything we eat, and unless you are just absolutely ridiculously clean and, and care about your lifestyle to an extreme amount. But interesting enough, what these venoms do is often attached to the, the receptor that, um, that nicotine attaches to. So huh. if you're feeling really bad or you know you've been exposed to uh, areas with a lot of pesticides or you've been eating in an area where you know the food is treated with lots of pesticides, a course of uh, nicotine or a patch for a day can actually knock out a lot of those symptoms. And just to clarify, he means nicotine gum, nicotine patches, not cigarettes. Correct. I, <laughs> I, would, never, I would never say to smoke or vape at all. Actually, vaping, I would argue that vaping is more dangerous from an acute perspective because of the way it affects the brain. So vaping nicotine actually lights up the same, the same pathways in your brain as cocaine. Hmm. It's because of how, how fast it hits you. Smoking is a more chronic exposure of toxins, and it'll end up causing you lung cancer. <laughs> That's pretty clear. But vaping will mess up your brain quickly. Well, vaping also carries second risk of what's called lipid-laden pneumonia. It's a particularly nasty type of pneumonia caused by the chemicals given in the vapes. Look at that. I didn't know that. Have you ever seen those? That type? Uh, when I was in residency, I saw one guy come in with it, you know, out of three years. Um, his chest x-ray was just a point. You know, it was quite Jeez. Um, I guess you could say he blew too many thick clouds. Now he's coughing thick clouds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, don't vape. <laughs> or smoke. Yeah, or smoke. Yeah, don't recommend that. Actually, another interesting kind of uh, thing related to that is I came across a study about cannabis. Cannabis is actually extremely effective at removing heavy metals, not from your body, but from the soil. 
So you can plant cannabis and it will <laughs> remove heavy metals from the soil. If you then smoke that, then you're inhaling the heavy metals. That is the most interesting statement I've probably heard this year. I know it's only January, but that's going to be one of the top ones up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's actually um, it's actually similar to how kale works. So kale, so kale is actually how kale. Like K-A-L-E? Yeah, like that green stuff all the white girls love. Yeah. Like kale is extremely, if, if you have a toxic metal burden that's really high in the soil and you need to get rid of it, you plant a bunch of kale. It sucks it all up. And people just love kale. Yeah, I mean, kale has shown that a bunch of nutrition benefits, but apparently the risk outweighs the reward. I didn't know that. I'd love for you to, one, post that study on their website so people could see it. And then two, send that to me so I could read it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it is crazy. But it's, it, so it has beneficial nutrients and stuff like that, but it's nothing you can't get from spinach or something like it. <laughs> well, you know, that, that sends me on another, I think this was a year or two ago. Um, I, I got on the phone with this company called Doctor's Day and I got on the phone with the uh, doctor in charge and he and I were just talking about something and somehow the topic of uh, EDTA chelation came up and he and I were talking and goes, did you know that in nature, lead is often found bound to calcium? And I go, no, I had no idea. Um, so he goes, the, in the, uh, you know, the moral of that story was we kept got, we had a couple of doctors sending us chelation results and uh, the lead always kept being high no matter what they did. So um, we actually had them send over the calcium EDTA that they were using to treat people. And uh, even though the EDTA was effective, the calcium, it was actually found bound to lead. Wow. Dang. So, so what's that, what's that mean, you know, in terms of treating people, how does that, how does that affect it down the line? So basically nowadays we get what's called the CFA certificate of analysis on basically everything we use because um, you, you basically have to know how much heavy metals are in this stuff you're using to make sure that you're pulling out more than you're getting in. Um, but my segue to that was um, we have this friend that owns a supplement company, a very clean um, supplement company. She sources all of her stuff out of another country and then gets it shipped over and she makes her supplements here in America. And uh, we got to talking to her and even she says, you know, I have a threshold for how much heavy metals I'll allow in my products because it's impossible to be at zero. Um, so you kind of have to weigh your risk and benefit of, do I like kale? Does its benefit of whatever nutrition it provides outweigh the amount of heavy metals in it? Kale, apparently probably not, but some other stuff, probably yes. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing goes for something like cannabis. So if it's shown to remove heavy metals from the soil... And smoking it will deliver those heavy metals to you. It might not be that bad of a of a thing if you smoke cannabis twice a year, but if you're if you're smoking multiple times daily, your your intake is through the roof. Now I doubt people are like consuming pounds and pounds of kale, so, so they probably don't need to worry about that. Because if you do that, I think you have other issues that you need to work on, maybe like taste buds. <laughs> um, but it is all about the risk and reward. So, so if heavy metals are everywhere mm -hmm. and they're all around us and they're in everything we're eating, yep. it just depends on amounts. How do we, how do we stay ahead of it? How do we, how do we avoid it? So that brings me, that's a really interesting point. So I get, I don't know, I don't know. I do a few hundred, maybe 
thousand chelation tests a year, right? Um, on different people. And uh, I'll get my patients, they'll come in, they're really sick, we'll test them for heavy metals, we'll treat them. As they start feeling better, inevitably, they'll bring in their husbands, their wives, their family members. And so they'll all get tested. And now we have confirmation bias in the office, right? Most of the people that are in my office getting treatment have high heavy metals because that's the only thing that's been found positive on them. Now, these family members, friends, whatever, they're coming in because someone told them to come in, not because they have symptoms. And oftentimes, those family members and friends have negative results. So the point of that being, most people are actually really good at eliminating toxins from their body. There's genes that are specifically targeted towards uh, elimination of toxins. Now, the unfortunate, probably roughly 10%, um, they don't eliminate. And that's where we start getting into find a local doctor that does toxin testing and get tested. And the way I put it to people is like this. Okay, get tested. Worst case scenario, you have heavy metals. It, we're giving you both a problem and a solution, not just a problem, so we can deal with it. And best case scenario, you find out that you're actually clean and good, and that's one less thing you have to worry about in your life. There you go. So shameless plug here, you can find a doctor near you or you can come see me, toxicrootswellness.com, and we'll guide you through the whole deal. We'll go through all the testing and we'll try to find your specific toxic roots. But circling back to the, the toxin discussion, what I see a lot of is three main categories uh, of toxins, and that's, that's heavy metals, which we've discussed at length, yeah. uh, mycotoxins from mold, and then chemicals. So do you see mycotoxins in your practice at all? Do you test for that? Oh, yeah. So there's a few different companies out there and there's two different basically doctor groups that people are following. There's the Shoemaker profile and then there's the Andrew Campbell profile. And uh, personally, I'm a big fan of the Andrew Campbell style testing and treatment. Um, and basically, we can test for molds in the body or we can test for toxins. So let, let's, re, let's rewind a little bit. Molds in our bodies create toxins. Our bodies create antibodies to fight those toxins. Most molds in the body, they're not readily accessible to your immune system. They're usually hiding behind something called a biofilm. So you can't really test for them because they're not really exposed to your immune system. But your immune system does see these biofilms as constantly making antibodies to try and punch through those biofilms. Oftentimes it's not successful, and we'll talk about that later. But we can measure the amount of antibodies your body is producing. That's the uh, Andrew Campbell, my Michael Labs way of testing. It's a blood test. Um, the, yeah. other way the other one was the Shoemaker, you said? Shoemaker, Richie Shoemaker. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the one where you have to pull like seven different lab tests and you have to pass like five of them or fail five of them to be considered having mold. Correct. Uh, he, he, it seems, you know, I'm not speaking for him, but it seems like he combines SIRS along with mold. Um, and that's kind of how he goes along his treatment protocols. Yeah, actually, as a part of my journey, I actually worked with a doctor who remained unnamed. Uh, and she diagnosed me with mold illness, mycotoxin illness, uh, and SIRS, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And when you hear the word syndrome, it just means we haven't figured it out yet. That's why it's a syndrome. <laughs> so she, she diagnosed me with this thing using the, the, I keep, I keep messing up the name, the shoemaker, 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 like literally the shoemaker shoe protocol. Yeah. So I believe you have to, you have to fail five of those seven tests in order to be 
qualified for it. And I only failed uh, two of them, actually. So I did not meet the diagnosis, although I was diagnosed with it anyway. Turns out that wasn't my toxic route. Um, and I did a ton of mold treatments that were just kind of misguided and didn't quite get to the root of it. And really, my, my issue was mercury. So is there an inter interaction between like heavy metals and mold? How does that work? I'm so happy you asked that question. That's my favorite question. Um, so the way they figured this out, so you guys know how a lot of bacteria become resistant to antibiotics. Well, the same thing is happening with fungus and I use fungus and mold interchangeably, but the same thing is happening with fungus and antifungals. Uh, they're becoming resistant to the antifungals. So a group of scientists set out to figure out why. And so the why is that they're creating these biofilms. And the biofilm, for those of you who don't know, it's basically a protein shield around the mold that's able to repel your immune system. The way it repels it, it's usually because of a charge, a positive or a negative. And um, your immune system is just pushed away. It's unable to punch through that biofilm. And even antifungals are repelled by that charge. So they set out, they're trying to figure out, you know, how does, how does a fungus or a mold make a charged biofilm? They found that they actually bind to heavy metals um, to create the biofilm, it creates the anchor point. We'll post this study on our website as well. They did the studies on candida, which is the common yeast everyone knows. It's just the easiest one to study. It's, it's what's called a single-celled hyphae. Basically, it acts as both a mold and a fungus. That's why it's really easy to test with. And uh, they found the best way to kill it is actually to do EDTA treatments. EDTA is more effective, which is the chelation agent. It's more effective than 99% of antifungals because what it does is it rips out the heavy metals, breaks the biofilm, and then the mold is exposed. So your immune system go and kill it. So the, so the heavy metals act as a almost foundation for the biofilm, which the mold lives in. Correct. So this is another conversation I have with the patients a lot. They'll come in and go, I'm so sick. My house is full of mold. And the first question I always ask is, you know, is anyone else in your house sick? Um, because that gives me an idea. If no, you know, if it's a family of four and for example, only the wife is sick and she has a lot of symptoms and the husband and kids are perfectly fine. It tells me the mold exposure isn't that bad. She's just particularly sensitive to it or particularly high in heavy metals that are allowing the mold to bind to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, from from my research, um, there's an estimation that somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of the population has these genes that make them susceptible to to mold illness. Is that is that something you see uh, a stat you see in your practice that about 20 to 40 percent are extra sensitive? And the problem is, I have a lot of confirmation bias. Most people come to me are sick, um, and I don't get enough family members brought in to give a good answer to that one. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, later we're going to do an episode on mold in your home. Uh, we're going to dive into that and I will go deep into what to look for, how to prevent it. And maybe we'll get into, if you're building a new home, some some tips and tricks you can use to, to prepare your home uh, in order to not have mold and poor indoor air quality and things like that. But that's just a, a trailer for the future. So, Dr. K, did we miss anything? Life tips, hacks. Can we can we give the audience something, a, a zinger to take home with them? I'm going to need a little bit more help with that. <laughs> well, how about this? How about this, guys? We talked a lot about contaminants and toxins today, heavy metals, pesticides. There is a website. I believe it's called The Dirty Dozen, um, and we'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, this, this website goes over the top 12 worst offenders in terms of of pesticides and the the top 12 things you should buy organic. 
So these are the top fruits and veggies that you really need to buy organic. They also have a clean dozen on that website that will show you that there's almost no difference between these 12 items and it changes every year. They kind of do their testing and it updates. So we'll link to that in the show notes. So you guys can go check that out to make sure that when you're shopping, you choose organic for the items that you know will have the highest impact on uh, mitigating your toxin exposure. Very cool. Cool. Anything else you want to say to the fans? You shout I mean, out to Alexandra. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my wife for actually building her website because both me and Kyle have no idea how to do that. It looked like a three-year-old made it. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you continue to listen. Please tell your friends about us. Yep. And we will be posting episodes weekly and we're still establishing our cadence, but uh, expect to hear from us soon. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you want to learn more, you can follow me at ToxinFreeKyle on Instagram. Or you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the Osteo Doc. Or you can find us on our website, peakperformancepodcast.online, where we'll be posting everything that you heard today. Thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you again.